Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Sunday, February the 12th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And I'm Charlie Clawson. And I got the date right. Well, for me, yeah. anyway, you're in a different country, so it's not actually that date for you. Well, Will, there's been a lot of raps on you, and you've got to do your first full pre-season since we've started the podcast, so I expected you to come out firing in our, in our first one back for 2017. Well, I haven't got complacent. You know, there's no premiership hangover, Charlie. In fact, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to be better this year. It's given me confidence. Uh, you know, there's no ceiling on where this podcast could go this year. Uh, I'm not yeah. putting a lid on our expectations. Uh, I'm not going to yeah. call it early, but maybe it'll be an undefeated season where I get the date right at the start of every podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't know about that. I mean, you're saying one thing, but I'm hearing something else. Uh, so it's, well, I guess it's like, I mean, it's February, um, early in February, and normally we'd be sort of talking about, you know, pre-season and what's been going on in the AFL footy season, but we might as well jump into the fact that there is actually an AFL competition that is running at the moment, which is the AFLW, which has yeah. been, I think, by anybody's expectations, a resounding success so far. Have you managed to see any of it? Yeah, so I, because uh, I'm in the States at the moment, last week I managed to watch half the games live. This week I haven't seen any of the games live, but I've caught up with them, highlights and stuff afterwards. Uh, I've loved it. Um, I, was, I wasn't skeptical going into it. I just had no idea what to expect, but I really enjoyed it. I actually got, um, uh, you know, because the times I was watching the games was like 2 a.m. over here. And so I, but I was gripped. Like, even though they were low-scoring affairs, just the actual contest, I found like, which is awesome. Well, firstly, I know there's been a lot of talk about them being low-scoring affairs, so to speak, but they're playing 15-minute mm. quarters with 16 yeah. players aside and mm. very little time on. So you do kind of wonder if they played, you know, more full-length games, whether we'd even be talking about the fact that they're that lower scores. Mm. Yeah, and also, too, like, I mean, I don't even really want to bring up this kind of... Because there are, like... There always has to be someone who fucking has to, like, have a, have a moan, you know? Like, someone has to come in and go, Oh, someone's getting a fucking leg up, and why don't these people get a leg up? It's like, fuck. Can we not just enjoy the fact that we... Look, here's, what I, here's my take on it, is I love AFL. Yeah. I would watch... If we went to every sort of group. So we took the best international players and we gave them a competition. We took the best female players and gave them a competition. We took the best disabled players and gave them a competition. I would watch all of them because I love the game. I don't see why there has to be, well, it's not as good as what the elite male player, who gives a fuck? Like, it's no, the game I'm, I enjoy watching. I'd be the same as you, Charlie. I, I say let's, you know, take this as like women first. But then yeah. if we want to have like, you know, I don't know, whatever the next league is, um, you know, yeah. if, li if little people want to have their own league, they yeah. want to have a literal AFL Little League. I'd be happy to go and watch that as well. Like, if you can support your team and sort of play, see them play against other people, I think it's really fun. But they do do that thing every two years where they bring over teams from, like, all over the world that play Aussie rules, and they have a little mini comp, like a, a, what are they, a round robin type comp. I would watch that if they televised it. I think that'd be great. I'd love to see how other people play our game or their interpretation of our game. And that's actually kind of the fascinating thing watching the AFLW, is knowing that a lot of these women are athletes who have come from other sports. Some of them had not even picked up a ball until a couple of months ago. And then seeing how they adapt to the game, like it was actually, to me, more impressive than, you know, someone who's played, grown up with the game and played it since they were 12 years old. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing when you hear the people, and there has been some criticisms in the first, you know, first couple of rounds about the idea of going, oh, well, the skills, you know, aren't as good as the men or whatever. I'm like... You know that girl was playing basketball last year? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably like playing basketball for Australia too. Yeah. So she's just competed elite at one level and then just fucking walked in while you're sitting on the couch eating Doritos, criticising her. Yeah, uh, you know um, Emma Carney, who's my new favourite Bulldogs player, who's just an absolute jet. She has been um, playing for the in the Big Bash League in the cricket. So she just finished playing in the Big Bash League in the cricket, in the women's cricket. Then she's gone, rolled straight into the AFL, being best on ground for the Bulldogs two weeks in a row. And she's still teaching, like on Friday, like before the game, she's essentially still going to class and teaching. And you're like, 
You're like this. This is pretty amazing. Okay, occasionally, yeah. occasionally she can kick it directly to somebody, but I'd like to see the AFL players have to go to their full time job and then go and that, like you know nail it as well. But that's not a bad point. I mean, if you look back at footage of the AFL of Aussie rules from like the fifties and sixties, the black and white stuff, the skills weren't that great either. Because those guys, you know, were working full-time jobs as well. They couldn't dedicate themselves to the sport 100%. So, you know, don't give me that shit about, like, well, they need to be playing, like, elite athletes who have, you know, million-dollar training facilities. Like, this is a fucking brand-new competition. Give it a chance. Well, I mean, I think the Bulldogs-Frio game was the one they used as an example, which is the idea that, like, the first time Bulldogs played Fremantle in the men's competition, they had a smaller crowd and lower scores than the women's AFL game. So if you take that as a, <laughs> you take that as a, like a base point, then they're doing pretty well. And the thing about the women's combi is we're not seeing, this is literally the worst it will ever be. That's yeah. the thing that people have to remember is like, this is the starting point. It's already fantastic. And I think, to be honest, I've been amazed that some of the skills are, I mean, when you look at Vessio, Darcy Vessio from Yeah, Carlton, how good is she? I mean, she's like a exceptional player. And if you look at all the young women who aren't going to go mm. into those other sports first now and are going to go and play AFL, like three, four years from now, you're not going to recognize this competition because you'll have all those old school players. But, you know, someone yeah. like... Someone like Aaron Phillips from Adelaide, who, you know, is played, like, I got two silver medals for Australia in the, you know, Olympic yeah. basketball and stuff. And, you know, she's already a gun. Like, she's already playing great football. You, you imagine what she's going to be doing next season or the season after. I mean, the thing about it, too, is like, you know, I grew up in a family with six sisters. And the way talent was handed out in my family was it just seemed to be that the women had more athletic ability than the boys. Like, I remember... Um, Ian Stewart uh, lived on the street that I grew up in, double, dual Brownlow medalist Ian Stewart. And my dad um, uh, let my little brother, uh, sorry, my older brother and my older sister go have a kick with him when they were just little. And dad was sitting there hoping that Ian would come back and say, well, your son's going to go straight into the academy and, you know, be playing for the Saints. And, but he came back and said, well, look, your, your son's not much chop, but we'll take that little blondie anytime she wants to play football. And so that is actually a reality now. Like, if my sister, you know, who was, a, you know, she was sports captain of high school and stuff and has always played sport, always been competitive, if she wanted to go into AFL, that's actually a path now, a legitimate career path. Well, I mean, even that idea that, like, you know, someone like Erin Phillips, because her dad uh, played uh, both in the AFL and, like, a lot of years in the sample, and apparently she was a gun junior footballer, but you get to 12, and in the old days, like, because you'd be playing with the boys, and then you weren't, mm. like, allowed to play anymore because... Of puberty, essentially, yeah. right? That was the because, reason. Because little boys can't play with little boners. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, basically, right? Like, yeah. she'd be going, she's going to get a lot of tackles around the boobs. And they're yeah. probably right. Like, I yeah. mean, it's, it's not the worst logic in the world, but it meant that these no. young, talented women, like, yeah. you know, now that they have their own competitions and their own spaces, they're going to be able to go off and develop their skills through those years where it's most important. I mean, did, it's did going you, to be amazing. Did you have a girl in your junior footy team? Any girls? I don't think we did, actually. I can't remember, like, playing, like, you know, junior footy. And this was almost, like, when I was playing footy, it was before even really Auskick and stuff like that, which, because right. you go to you go Auskick now, which is like the, you know, the, the learn to play AFL thing uh, that the goes out to schools and stuff. And yeah. it's kind of 50-50 boys and girls. You know, they, yeah. they really encourage that. But I think back when I was a junior, there, there probably wasn't that process in place. We had a girl, Sally, who played when I, at the East Brighton Vampires. East Brighton are number one. We're the team that can't be done. Uh, <laughs> we had a girl in uh, under-12s who played for a year with us in the Ford Pocket, Sally, and she was really good. And there was the funny thing was there was probably more acceptance. Like, it was not even a question. Like, we just, yeah, she came to training and she played in games, and that was just the way it was. Like, it was... None of the players had a problem with it. You know, it seems to be the people outside, you know, who seem to like sit in judgment. And it's ridiculous even for like that grown women have to hear, hear some of this shit. Well, I think the amazing thing is, and I think it's how far our standards have changed or whatever, or why this competition is so good at blowing away our perceptions of what women are like, is that idea that I think that there was always that fear that women would get hurt. You know, that they would, once, once it starts to get to the rough stuff, you know, that the women wouldn't be equipped for it. But the thing yeah. that I have been most blown away with, with these games is 
Oh my god, <laughs> women love to fuck each other up. <laughs> like, yeah, my god. It is, it is so hard, the game. They yeah. are tackling so hard. They are not afraid of smashing somebody when they're going for the ball. Like, the, the level of, like, competitive, you know, kind of body on body contact roughness. Like, I must, mm. like, it's like these girls are relishing this opportunity to play a sport where you can, you know, the physical part of it is a major component. And I kind of imagine in my head, maybe this is, you know, the stereotyping or prejudice that it'd be a bit more keepings off and it'd be a bit more skillful mm. and they'd play a bit more like that. But oh my fucking God, they smash mm. the shit out of each other. <laughs> I'm, I remember hearing uh, Dr. Carl Kruzhaniski talking um, on Triple J once, and he was talking about uh, Israeli soldiers, female Israeli frontline soldiers, and he was saying um, that uh, women tend to be more suited for to be in the infantry than men because women actually, uh, according to testing, have better endurance than men. They're, uh-huh. they're actually better suited for, you know, because battles normally take place in short bursts. And so women are much better at sort of going for long periods of time, you know, and just ma- having endurance and then like getting into a skirmish and then like conserving energy again. And so I'd like to see when the league develops a bit more, like how, because they always talk in AFL about you've got to develop your tank, you know, like, you know, they always, some like, some guy who wants to move into the midfield has got to work up his tank. And I want to see, because it, it'll have to happen. The game will have to evolve with the players around it. Like, my dad used to like to go watch women's cricket because he said, because of the differences between the physical differences between men and women, the women just played a different style of game, and he just became really interested in that style of game. And that's what I'm excited about. Like I said, I, I love AFL, and I want to see like an interpreted version of AFL. It's still the same game, but if you don't have the same physical attributes as the guys who play, then it's su- it's such a great game that um, allows people of all body types and shapes to play. Like, how will the women? turn it into their own thing. Yeah, and I think it's what it's done at the moment as, as well is because they don't have necessarily that precision passing skill that will develop as they go on and get the more foot skills and stuff like that is, it's meant that there is a real role for everyone in the game. Like, as yeah. in, like, you know, it's it's probably easier at the moment to be a, a dominant backline player because the forwards aren't getting the quality delivery and stuff that they get. So you're seeing a lot of really impressive, like, you know, kind of backline work and defensive running yeah. and, you know, things like that, which I think have been amazing as well. Do you think there's anything that's come out of it that could be adapted to the men's league? For instance, like 16 players aside, opening the game up a bit. I don't think they're ever going to go to 16 aside in the AFL, but I've been on it for years. I, I have, ever since the congestion thing, I've always thought that the easiest solution, because, you know, they always talk about, oh, well, we maybe we'll put in zones or, you know, maybe mm. that's how we'll clear the congestion. I've always been a believer that we're playing in this on the same size ovals pretty much as we used to. We're playing in super, super conditions now, but also everybody on an AFL list now has these like super tanks and have to be able to run all over the field. I think we've got too many players on the field. I think <laughs> yeah. you could easily go to 16 aside and it would open up the game, but I don't think they're ever going to do it. And let's, and let's be honest, every team has two players you can do without. Right. <laughs> every team, even the Bulldogs, got two players that you could probably, you know, put down in the twos, give them, give them a run in the twos. Well, just put them on the bench. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the two who are on the field, they go on the bench, and then the, <laughs> and two, the two who on the are bench. already sitting on the bench, sorry, fellas, <laughs> you can be best on ground in the VFL grand final. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the most interesting thing will be if ever the women get to the point where, say, for example, you know, some 18-year-old comes into the competition next year and, you know, she's been raised, you know, the last few years knowing that the AFL might happen and she comes in and she is so good that she starts to dominate the female competition at a level that the male club says, you know what, if we were picking our best 22 right now she would be in that 22 whether will it will ever be seen as whether it will always be its own separate competition you know and the women Mm. will just play with the women or there might be a time in the future where you look at the women's uh, afl team much like you look at your vfl team and you know that someone might be available to be picked in the game i don't know if people would but i mean the women are showing that they're they're tough and strong and all those sort of things so maybe yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, how does it work? I mean, I guess in the UFC, for instance, you know, which is a combat sport, like if you um, are transgender, if you uh, were born a man, like, and you come in with that physique of a man, and then could you? Are you is that still well? Now that you're a woman, you're 
you're allowed to play? Like, is, is that still... How does that work? Is that are we opening a can of worms? I mean, I think that is a can of worms, <laughs> <laughs> or a can, right, can just, of worms that are now tucked between the legs or whatever. But <laughs> I th- look, I think it's one of those things. I think trans issues in sport is one of those things that is very hard for people to deal with because it, it happened with Caster uh, Semenya, who, who was oh, yeah. the South African athlete. Who you know there was because her physique is very. Um, like she has masculine. I, I, there's a chromosome thing where she had more male chromosomes or something like that, and there was a lot of debate over whether you know she should. But that, she's a woman, and she should be able to mm. run as a woman. I guess it gets more complex if you you know were born a man and you are now you know living a woman, li- living as a woman. You've transitioned to be a woman, but you still have the the body or physique of a man. Whether that's an unfair advantage, I'm not sure. But I guess that's just something they'll. As we learn more about it and we have athletes who fit that category, I guess we'll, you know, we'll deal with that. I mean, I'm just getting, I'm sensing like an Adam Sandler film where like, you know, some Jonah Lomu sized guy is trying to fool everyone into thinking he's a woman so he can play. He gets rejected by the AFL and tries to get in the women's league. Well, I mean, isn't it that essentially what the Spanish basketball team did at the, at the Paralympics? Remember? Uh-huh. There was, I, well, I think it was, that, no. I can't remember if it was the Paralympics or, but there was a Spanish basketball team that won the gold or were going for the gold, but it turned out that they weren't actually in wheelchairs. They were just like, or something like <laughs> that. I, I'm, I, I may be getting that wrong. Michael, can you Google like Spanish, uh, basketball cheats or something like that? Like, you know, Olympic basketball cheats. But I believe that there was like a team that this is one of those great, I've really across all the facts in Type this one. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's interesting about the AFLW that it's where it's actually um, uh, ha- has uh, done something the men's league hasn't done is there's actually openly gay players in AFLW. That's amazing. Well, I mean, you you look at the AFL competition that's been around for here we go here we go the Spanish basketball team who pretended to be mentally handicapped to win the right. Paralympic gold. So there you go. I think that, I think that was the plot of a film. I've got a feeling right. like it was uh, Johnny no- Johnny Knoxville film or something like that. I don't know. I'd I'd love to know which order they came <laughs> they came up with that whether he saw the real life story and turned it into a movie or these Spanish guys were sitting around watching a Johnny Knoxville film and went, "I've got an idea, guys. I reckon we can win gold." <laughs> Um, but yes, there's a couple who are playing in the, mm. in the women's AFL. Um, uh, I think a girl who plays for, well, a, a woman who plays for, uh, how do you feel about that? By the way, there's been a little commentary around the idea of maybe not calling them girls because, you know, they're women playing sport. Um, nah, fuck that. I mean, like the players call each other the boys, like, you know, I mean, the other, that, that's the amazing thing too, is all the post game interviews I've seen have been so perfectly cliched. Like, they obviously get the same media training where they just, just insert the word girls where the male players would say boys. Like, yeah, no, we're, you know, we're just uh, concentrating on next week. You know, the, 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 the girls gave 110%, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, wow, great, fantastic. I'm glad to see that that's where we're at now. Well, I mean, the thing about that is to me is that, uh, I, anyone who's younger than me, I consider to be a boy or a girl. And yeah, so 100%. now, so in the AFL now, everyone's a boy like everyone i'm yeah. like those lads those boys our boys because they're all young enough mostly to be my kids and it's the mm. same with the women's league to a certain extent although again you know some older players are playing in the women's league because you've been given that opportunity at the end of your career to be in your mid-30s and still get an opportunity to play which is great how do you think i mean because is there a possibility because there's got to we've talked about this before there's got to be gay male AFL players, right? Yeah. And as much as the AFL has got a, you know, a, a round that they dedicate, um, you know, to the LGBTIQ community and the fact that they, that I think it would be an environment where someone could come out and, and do you think the fact that there are openly gay players in the women's league might create an environment where a male player was more comfortable to come out? No. No, because stereotypically, according to stereotypes, people expect female athletes to be gay, whereas people uh, it, it's not considered masculine uh, to be a gay male athlete. It's amazing, isn't it, how heteronormative your thought patterns can be sometimes? Because uh, heteronormative, Charlie... yeah, he's uh, my, my favourite Australian golfer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greg, heteronormative. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> the great white heterosexual shark. <laughs> so he was uh, a choker too, but for different reasons. <laughs> Erin Phillips um, was being interviewed on Charlie Pickering's show, The Weekly. She was a guest on The Weekly. Mm-hmm. And he's asking her a bunch of questions, you know, about like playing in the AFL and whatever. And he goes, and what makes it even more amazing is you've recently just had twins. And I am looking at her going, she may be the greatest athlete of all time. Not only has she won two Olympic silver medals, she's played in the WNBL. She's now like gun player for like in the women's AFL for probably the best team, the Crows in the women's AFL at the moment. Yeah, she's here on TV and she's just had, she's had twins in the preseason. And then of course, my brain clicked over to the guy, I've got idea of going, Oh yeah, she's married to a woman. <laughs> Her, her partner had the twins. She didn't. Yeah, right. She wasn't running around the tan doing a hundred meter sprints and popping <laughs> out some babies. <laughs> but Did I think you, you're um, right. I mean, oh, sorry. But, uh, sorry. What I was going to say is, in this yeah. competition, we have a very unique thing, which of course we've never had in the AFL, at least openly, which is that idea of partners who are in a relationship with each other having to play against each other in a game, which I think is that's awesome. How do you, how do you think that would go? I mean, I'd love that in the in the male AFL, right? You know, imagine if we, who would it be? Just imagine, like it doesn't. Let's not. Let's pick someone who's married, just so that we're not, you know, assuming like someone or casting aspersions or whatever. But imagine if, say, Buddy Franklin, like was gay yeah. and he, and he, he was in a relationship with Jared Ruffin. Dan- <laughs> yeah, right. So, oh my god, this is a great, great pitch for a sitcom as well. <laughs> A buddy movie. And yeah. so, <laughs> so, yeah, so Jared Ruffhead and Buddy Franklin are in a relationship. Would that not add more drama to like going and seeing them play in a game? You'd love to see that, right? Hang on. Are they, they play in the same team or they play against each other? Against each other. Because the, the women oh, in the. Okay, right. All right. Well, let's. Women, so, in the, so, not, in Jared, the not Jared Ruffhead. Let, 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 let's take like, um, Alex Rance and Buddy okay. Franklin, because then they'd have to play directly on each on other. On each other. Okay. That would be amazing. <laughs> it would be. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, I uh, often wonder, you know how I mean, like, it'd, be, it'd be great before the game when they do like the two teams and it'd be like, you know, well, normally, uh, you know, normally he's the top, but I'd like to come out on top today. So. <laughs> You know how the players like have a chat, like you often see them sort of just saying stuff to each other. It'd be great if you knew there was that kind of relationship or history because it's like they might be talking about Jesus, you left the toilet seat up again. Well, I right. guess if the two guys, that's not going to be an issue, but you know, right. something along the lines of <laughs> stop wearing all my socks. <laughs> they get really bitchy at each other because one club washes their socks and the other club doesn't. <laughs> So they're coming yeah. home and it's like, yeah, Alex Rance is like, we have to wash our own uniform. It's Richmond. We've had no success. Buddy's like, I don't even, I burn my uniform after each game. Or <laughs> well, well, then what happens, you know, if, uh, uh, if you know, so Buddy, uh, Buddy makes a break down the wing and one of Alex Rance's teammates, like, I don't know, uh, uh, Trent Cotchin, like, oh, yeah. does a head high bump on, on, on Buddy. Does Alex go in to defend Buddy or does he go in to back up his captain? Oh, see, that's great. He, yeah. could get it, he could get in the middle and take both sides. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I reckon he wouldn't. I reckon that in that environment, you're an athlete first. Right. You're so, at work. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're at work. And so if your captain, even if your captain does the wrong thing and lifts an elbow on your, on your lover, then you back your captain up 100%. It just means the drive home is really awkward. <laughs> Well, we've seen it with like, you know, the Selwoods, for example, you know, when brothers play each other and they tend to sometimes go even harder on each other than they would ordinarily do on other players. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that would be the same, surely, with the relationship, right? Like, surely yeah. you'd be out there going, well, today, both of us, particularly if you were both really good players, you'd both want to go out there and kind of smash each other and show everybody, I suppose. Well, the thing about brothers, too, is you're always getting compared. And so I think it would be exactly the same thing if you were, if you were lovers. Like, you, you're considered a pair. You'd be the power couple. You're the Brangelina of oh, yeah. the AFL. So but you I'll, need to... It would be good for sledging, because you're right. You'd be able to bring up really personal stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like as they're, as they're kicking for goal, they're like, oh, miss this like you missed your grandmother's birthday last year. Remember that? <laughs> You know, it's funny watching um, some of the games over here 
because uh, the internet would sort of drop out every now and then. And when I was watching the Carlton games, I was getting flashbacks to the 80s. It looked like a team of uh, Tommy Alvins running around. <laughs> like right. a, I haven't seen like long-haired, ponyta- dark-haired ponytails like that since the days of Tommy Alvin. Well, can I, I'm going to read you something. This is uh, great fun. My, um, uh, my brother... He decided he would uh, sit down with his kids and watch the game and show, mm. in particular, his daughter, Taylor, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's a good role model, that sort of thing. So uh, this is the message that he sent me. Uh, so this was the first night. So to if people aren't across this, it was amazing. It was at Princess Park, uh, which is the old Carlton ground. Um, and yeah. They haven't played footy there for a while, but it holds about 24,000 people and they were expecting 12,000 and it was a lockout. About 30,000 yeah. people went to the game. It was absolutely oh, amazing. Well, on that point, you saw that footage of Gil McLaughlin out letting everyone know, really sorry, we're sold out. Now, Gil's a guy who doesn't mind a camera, does he? Uh, yeah, but it would have been easy in that situation to just like stay inside and not go out and explain to people, don't uh, you think? Ah, see, I think the other route, I think he thought this is a a great way, not only to get some publicity for how great the game is, but it's also a great job for making me look like a man of the people in his, you know, $8,000 Italian suit. (laughs) Well, what I I loved about it was, like, at the start, you're absolutely right, it went so well, and it looked like it was going to be such a good PR move. He's out there calmly explaining to people what's going on. People seem to be responding quite well. And then it just turned, and people just started yelling at him, and they're like, fuck (laughs) you, you should have known this. You should have been, like, putting up, yeah, I've I've come all the way here, fuck you, you've ruined my family. And I'm like, oh, it's tough to run things. Um, All right, so uh, I'm going to read you this message uh, that my uh, brother sent uh, to be so everyone sat down he goes um so we're just sitting down as a family and thought we'd check out the women's footy taylor uh who's his daughter who's about taylor's got to be seven or eight i guess uh taylor was showing no interest so we tried to encourage her to watch it by explaining to her that these girls never would have thought this would ever happen that they could fulfill their dreams and play afl so firstly i'm like good parenting brother well done really good good, parenting yeah, yeah good parenting right quote taylor but half of them look like boys anyway. So, look, there may be some... We may need to... We might not have got through to all the youth. That's all I'm saying. Hey, did you um, like the... There's a, a Melbourne ruckman, Madeline Boyd, who they call Maddie Boyd. Uh-huh. Did you do a double take when you heard her name? Uh, I mean, the, the names have been... I, I'm not quite across everybody's name yet, but I did. Anytime they sound like a like an AFL player that you're familiar with, yes, you're like, oh, did you say Matty Boyd? <laughs> Hang on, is Matty Boyd yeah, playing? Yeah. <laughs> In the ruck. So it's got to be Matty Boyd with someone else on his shoulders. <laughs> well, it's, it's got, I mean, I think that we'll, we'll probably see more of that in the future because often these sporting fat like, if you, if you are an athlete in a family, you're not the only one. Like, you're normally a family of athletes, right? Well, this is, I think this is perfect for you because you've been complaining for years that the St. Kilda players all have daughters. Yeah, And they've true. all kept having daughters. But yeah. what you didn't realise is you've got a surprise packet for when St. Kilda come into the women's league because you've got all these, like, father, daughter, you know, recruits that you can have. They actually asked because Danny Frawley commentated... I think maybe it's the Brisbane game last week. And they actually asked him that because he had three daughters. And he's like, yes, like definitely. <laughs> like he couldn't wait. Took him to the game. Once again, I'm interested. Like we have to get our license first. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, it's funny. I was on one of the, the Saints chat um, uh, message boards. And uh, there's all these people like, oh, this is bullshit. You know, how come GWS get a team and we don't? It's like we have just become financially solvent for the first time in six years. Like, let's not overextend ourselves just yet. Yeah, and and it is one of those things where, like, I know there's been a lot of feedback around the women's game about uh, why doesn't everyone have a team? Like, why are they not getting paid more? You know, these sort of issues. And I certainly understand those, and I don't think they're conversations that we should stop having. Mm. But I also think that, to the AFL's credit, I feel like they've got this about right. Like, I think you've got to give the AFL a fair few pats on the back. Like, it's you. People are saying, "Oh, it should have been at Eddie had that first game." No one should would have known. No one would have known. And a sold out Princess Park does much more for launching the game than an almost sold out Eddie had might have. Right? Firstly, yeah. 
Secondly, it's so great to go back to those grounds. I think part of the appeal of it is that people are like, I can go and stand on the hill at the Western Oval. I can go and like to Princess Park and like have a... Like, I mean, you see those people behind the goals hanging over the fence, you know, in those areas and just like supporting footy like the old days. And I think that's part of the great appeal. I think that they... They made the games, you know, free to get people there, which I thought was a really good thing. Yes, the the women aren't being paid enough, but if people keep supporting it in this way and the sponsors all come on board and the TV ratings are all great, guess what's going to happen next year? They're going to be in a much better position to say, okay, now that you can see how this is a financial and supported thing, we should be paying this and you should be putting this money in. But I think eight teams is about right. You look at the skill levels and the amount of people and those sort of things. You're like, this is, you wouldn't have wanted too many team, more teams or the, I think the skill level would have been dissipated too much throughout the league. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that is the thing. I, I love, you know, I, I love football at all levels. Like I love watching suburban footy. I love watching country footy. And, there was a part of me during those games that just wanted to see like the camera pan left and you see some cars on a crest and them all honking their right. horns after a goal, you know? I, I agree. Like, I mean, I say when we come, go and play a game in Ballarat as the AFL women's for the Bulldogs, bring the cars in, put them yeah. against the walls. You know, I, I want to see a fight happen on the boundary line and then spill <laughs> over into the crowd. I want some old school country footy moments. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, that that is an element that I think. I mean, I was when we moved from Moorabbin, like I was one of the few sort of um, Saint supporters who was all for it. Like most of the people that I grew up going to the footy with were dyed in the wool kind of local footy supporters, and they felt like the club lost something when it went to Waverley and then Eddie had. You know, it became too slick and too professional. I think they did lose a few supporters that way, <clears throat> but I was all for it because I thought you know the game has to grow. We have to get more professional. But this is a great way of bridging that gap and bringing those fans back. I agree. Because, I mean, the, the, and the VFL is still there. Like, that's the other thing. There's people like, well, you know, the VFL's a much higher standard. Why aren't they getting more airtime? It's like, well, A, they do fucking get airtime. B, the VFL is still there. And C, those guys, if they're really that good, can play AFL and get seen by fucking everyone. Right. Yeah, this is the top competition in the women's league. And I think that it's connecting with so many things when people talk about the glory days or the days they loved about suburban football or that style of football, that's never happening again in the male game because the athletes mm. are so fast and so skillful and the way the game is played and the professional level it's at, you're just never going to go back to seeing the game played like this. But we have an opportunity over the next 10 years where I really feel like we're going to see the women like kind of progress through what people consider to be that glory period of football where you can actually go and watch them at a suburban ground, but you're watching high level skills played in a bit more of an old fashioned way, bit more, not too much more like the running game of the teams, you know, that kind of swarming running game of most of the teams has been quite impressive already. Yeah. And I think the AFL have to be careful about this. Like I think that, you know, definitely these high attendances and these numbers and stuff has been the novelty factor. That's definitely been an element to it, but Unless they properly invest or give these teams the resources to improve the skills and get the girls training full time and stuff, then they're in, uh, this this goodwill won't last forever. If you know what I mean, like it's got to be an incremental thing where they do hang on to that suburban flavour, that accessibility, but they've got to incrementally increase the quality of the product so that people are actually they're coming first for the novelty, but then they're staying for the skills. But it's got to, it's got to be like a, a an equal balance, you know in terms of how many games they play in a season, how long the season will be next year, where the game occurs. Because it'll be interesting if they start playing more games where that will happen. Like, I, I don't know if it can run concurrently with male, with the male league. I'm just wondering, like, or maybe it can sort of feed into it or, or, or start towards the end of it or something like that. I don't know if the... Do you think there is enough room for two competitions each week? I mean, how the fuck yeah, would we what? do this show? That'd be like four hours each. Well, the only advantage would be if you were willing to go back to the idea of playing curtain raises. Okay. So if, if every team had a team, you know, say like yeah. five years from now, every team in the competition has a women's team and you decide to run the women's competition, even if it isn't a full season, maybe, you know, maybe their grand final is end of July or something, but you run it concurrently for the first however many rounds and you play the games 
before the men's game. So you have the supporters of both clubs coming yeah. along. Maybe that way. But I kind of, I like where it is. I mean, at the moment, it sits in a really great position where the big bash league and the cricket, you know, had to pretty much finish. The AFL men's competition doesn't start, you know, in seriousness for another couple of months. And I think it's this perfect time where people are still in the mood to watch something and they have yeah. a free run of their own. So I, I like it where it is at the moment. Like there's, there's been some talk about whether you play the grand final, say, for example, at the MCG and what they could do is play that before what one of the big men's games at the start of the season. And so you could have like a hundred thousand people at the MCG for, you know, Essendon, Hawthorne or whoever they're suggesting it might be, you know, uh, mm. you know, and then you play the grand final before. But there's a part of me that just says, I thinks, I think if you have the women's grand final, well, I guess it depends who the teams are. I guess if you have like Adelaide, you might, there might be advantage of playing it in Adelaide. You know, I think if you played at the Adelaide Oval by itself, you'd probably get a pretty huge crowd. But if it's a couple of Victorian teams, I reckon you could play it at Eddie Hat or wherever and it'd probably sell out for the grand final. Did they play the, did they play at Adelaide Oval, the women's league? I can't remember. I think, I can't remember if they played at Adelaide Oval or not. I think they might have. Yeah, I think they did. Cause that's, cause Adelaide is the most kind, is the, is the ground that, that bridges the kind of old old school AFL with the new football. Yeah, and, and look, Adelaide look like they have maybe the best team in the competition at the moment. So there might be a chance that you play it, you know, at the Adelaide Oval, the grand final, and I think that would probably two be full, great. And two fo- another full forward with the surname Perkins. I know, I know, I know. Like, I mean, sorry, not we, Perkins, Tex. Yeah, Tex. Which, the, which the of the two Texas Tex. will, will have a yeah. better season? <laughs> No, it's great. It's uh, it's 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 been a good. I mean, I haven't. You probably have been more starved for AFL news than me. But for me, this has been like a really great appetizer. You know, I, I must admit, without the Saints fielding a team, my interest level probably isn't as high as it would be. Like, definitely, I'm lacking a bit of that parochial uh, element. But um, it's 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 great. Like, it's just kind of a. I didn't realize how much I missed football until I started watching again. And, you know, I'm here in LA and watching women play football and it really just got me so fucking excited. Yeah. I mean, it is amazing. It felt historic. I mean, particularly that first game, it really felt like it was more than just about football. You know, it was on a day yeah. where Don- Donald Trump had uh, publicly said that women in the White House should dress more like women. And then oh, suddenly God. in Melbourne, Australia, you had 25,000 people at a game watching women play one of the toughest, most physical sports in the entire world. And mm. uh, apparently they played at Theberton. Theberton? Okay. Oh, yeah. Was okay, it yeah. The, or, the, or is it The Barton? <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, I know that one because they have a theatre. <laughs> the, the, okay. the Theberton, yeah. Right. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, no, I do, I do think that um, there's a bigger statement than just about football here at the moment, which is about the valid role that women play in our society and how we define women and what women... Like, I mean, mm. I think the... It was funny, Eddie Maguire got in a fair amount of trouble or a fair amount of backlash here um, because he didn't go to the first game and it was Collingwood, his team playing. And uh, he had a previous commitment to be calling or pre- being at the Anthony Mundine Danny Green fight, and there right. was a lot of and uh, there was a lot of and I would have said from my point of view very valid criticism because I just can't imagine if I was faced with those two choices go and see this women's team that Eddie has been one of the leaders of putting work into and Collingwood have really been you know a visionary in this and have created a great space and all those things all things they should get a pat on the back for. To go and see two old blokes just punching each other in like a money-making exercise rather than going to that, I get it. I wouldn't have done it myself, but it was a previously held commitment and he you know, came out and he kind mm. of made his point afterwards. And then he brought up something that was like, oh, I feel like you've reached a little bit too far here, Eddie, <laughs> yes. but, but I know the point you're trying to make. And he relayed a conversation he'd had with somebody who was... Um, an expert in the domestic violence field. And they had said to him, and I thought Eddie probably shouldn't have put it in his own words because it felt a little self-serving, but but I, did, I the point itself I was interested in, which was that this guy was putting forward the theory that it might even have bigger, broader ramifications than just women being able to be seen as athletes in this way. But 
because women are being so strong and so tough and so empowered by this, and it's showing a whole different role of what it means to be a woman, that it might have broader implications across society about the way that we view, treat, and sort of relate to women, which, you know, I, I mean, maybe that's placing too much emphasis or whatever on it, but if mm. that is true, then that can be nothing but a good thing. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it is kind of funny that, you know, you read some of... Uh, the knockers who are like <laughs> knockers is probably a poor choice of words in this debate. People who uh, are critical of the competition, I should say, <laughs> who say, "Oh, this is just—it's pure politics. It's pure politics." And it's like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Like, I just what I don't understand is when something like the tickets were free. It's right. promoting the game. Like there was no negative intent. Like it wasn't like they were handing out like communist manifesto handbooks as people were leaving the ground. Like why can't people just be happy for it? Like there must be just a section of the community who just love fucking being angry, who just love disliking things, who just love fucking tearing things down. And I believe they're all on Twitter. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good place for them. You don't, <laughs> don't even have to put your own photo in. You can just be a blue egg. Yeah. <laughs> Get your opinions out there. But no, I, I think you're right that if no, if nothing else, like the amount of commentary I saw around people going, this is my first game of AFL football and I loved it. Like, you know, mm. it brought people to the game who were shut out by the game that we love so much or didn't feel there was a place for them in there. And you've always mm. got to think, um, uh, Chris Rock was asked when Dane Cook uh, became a big comedian, like he, Dane Cook kind of became the biggest comedian in the world and there was a lot of backlash from the comedy community because... Really, his audience were like 15 and 16 year old girls from MySpace. And like, you know, there was some real sneering within the community. And Chris Rock was asked about it. And you could tell the journalist wanted him to say, you know, I hate Dane Cook and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But what he said was, he said, none of these people have ever gone to comedy before. And if they go and right. see Dane Cook and they discover that they like comedy, guess what they might also do? See if there's some other comedy they like. And then they might come and see my show or somebody else's show. And I think that's mm. absolutely the same with this. This is not going to take one person away from the men's AFL competition, but what it has the capacity to do is have people who've never seen the game of AFL get into it through the women's and then go, oh, you know what? Well, maybe I'm going to go and see the men play as well. So it can only be great for the game in general. Well, 100%. Like, you know, I know, you know, with Gemma, for instance, she doesn't really want to go see action films because she's right. Okay, so what? I'm seeing another film about a guy who saves the world and because some girl needs rescuing, blah, blah, blah. Like, what's the point? And that applies to football as well, you know? She appreciates that I like football, but for her, there's nothing in it. But then with when this competition started, like, she started getting excited and sending me, like, articles and, and you know, thought it was so cool. And it's like there's 50% of the community out there have felt they can appreciate what it is, but they have never saw themselves in it. And that is a huge part of the connection. Like the connection you and I have to AFL, you know, the passion we feel, the history, all that kind of stuff, deeply relates to the fact that we can look at the game and identify with the guys that we see out there. They're, you know, they're like us. But for 50% of the population, that didn't happen. So it is nothing but a good thing that they can look at the comments and go, fuck yeah, I like the way that girl plays. Or, you know, she's got real fucking gut. She's got real courage. I like her leadership. I mean, that's only a good thing, right? Oh, I mean, this girl, Emma Carney, and I hope I'm saying that right because it's spelled Kearney, but they seem to be saying Carney on the... Kearney! On the commentary. That's what she, David Parkin it, calls her, Kearney! <laughs> she's just one of those people that I could just watch play football or just handle life or whatever any day of the week. Like her toughness, her skills, like the way that she plays football. I'm like, I enjoy watching her play the game of AFL as much as I enjoy watching any of the boys who play for the Bulldogs. Because you can tell so much about her and the way that she approaches sort of life and the game and whatever from the way that she plays. And you forget mm. that. And it gives you such a great... Oh, here's the other thing. Now, this is... Okay, this is a weird area. And I yeah. put that proviso there at the start. So... How can I explain this well? <laughs> I, I think it's given us an insight. Well, it's given me an insight into something, and I really don't want this to come across the wrong way, is that for years, AFL uh, has had sort of 50% women fans, right? Yeah. And what I've realized is that those women have actually always been able to enjoy AFL slightly more than we have because... Uh, yeah, I know they, where you're going. Right. Because they not only love the game, but these are some of these guys are, you know, in the best shape of their entire life. They're really yeah. good looking and whatever as well. And so seeing someone, and this is not to diminish, and this is why I want to say it, 
yeah, not yeah, to yeah. diminish those women's understanding of AFL. I, I think these are women who could know more about AFL than we do. But you can also have that added thing of going, plus, so-and-so is really hot. I love, you know, I love Passing it. on top. Right. Passing on top. And that's what I was like with the women's game as well. I was like, yeah. not to diminish any of them as athletes, because look at them as athletes first, but you then also get that thing of going, not only did that woman just smash that other woman, but... They're both pretty hot, and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, here's, and, and here's what I'd say. The reason why I think that statement is, is fine is because I'm the same. Like, I tweeted a photo of one of the Demons players, and I apologize. I, I, didn't, I don't know her name, but she got smashed in a contest. I think she got a blood lip and a blood nose. She, was, she limped off the ground, and then they filmed her head strapped doing a warm-up. Oh, yeah. And she was fucking strutting, and it was Hot, like, hot. The, yeah. I mean, I thought it was hot, right? Not because she's bleeding or injured or anything, but no. she's fucking this tough chick who's fucking just got smashed and she's ready to go out there and give it a go. That is what I was attracted to. I find, like, confident, strong women hot as well. And that's where, you know, that point that Eddie was making. I hope that there maybe is some validity in that because I will find that hotter any day of the week than somebody, some model on the front of a magazine laying around like a corpse in a position you'd never lay in in a bikini. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. She, she doesn't seem fun. She hasn't eaten a sandwich since July. <laughs> like, but this, you know, these women, you look at these, these are athletes, people who've had to struggle, people who are clearly willing to like, you know, I mean, the, the three women who got suspended the first round, you know, there was three women who got yeah. suspended after the first round. And you're like, three. And then you watch the footage of each of them and you went, oh, yep, no, you're, you should have all got suspended for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's amazing. I mean, I, anyway, I, like, I, I am you, very conscious of the fact that we are two men sitting around talking about this. And, uh, oh, yeah. but, well, hey, the, look, it, as, look, the last thing you want to do, though, Will, is marginalise middle-class white men. We saw what happened right. in England and America when that happened. So at least yeah. let us have our say. If you if you start suppressing us and telling us our opinion doesn't matter, we get angry. It's so a good point. We us... don't want we don't want people going to AFL games in make AFL great uh, again t <laughs> uh, t shirts and hats. <laughs> you know the one thing that did make me laugh though. Um, you know, with a lot of these women having not played AFL before, there is a telltale sign when someone is new to the game when they can go it, to bounce the ball ah, on the run. Yes! It's so <laughs> true. It's like the classic thing of like, there was so many times and you see it with uh, players who come from other sports in the Mayo IFL. It's almost yeah. the hardest skill in the game is bouncing the ball on the run, or at least it's yeah. the one that's most likely to make you look like you've never played the game before. <laughs> it happens so many times in the first round where someone was dashing out of defense or something and went to bounce it and just went, oh, that went in the opposite direction. <laughs> to where it was and, you know, for people who aren't that familiar with the game, it, what you're trying to do at full, at full clip is you're running yeah. and you're trying to bounce the ball in front of an you oval on ball. the point. Yeah. Uh, an oval-shaped football. You're trying to bounce yeah. it in front of you on a point at a on distance grass. and an angle not, that, it will, <laughs> that it will bounce back into your hands. Like, it actually is really, really, really hard to do, um, as we saw <laughs> in the first yeah. two weeks. No, it, it, it is one of those things. But, oh, you know the other thing I've loved on that? And I again, <laughs> this is something that I actually love, is obviously some of the players, because they haven't been raised with the game, and, and kicking in particular is an example of that. So there is some real individual styles <laughs> and techniques of kicking. <laughs> That have clearly been going, well, this is how I kick. You know, this is how I, I've decided I kick. And I'm like, that's not really how anyone kicks, but it seems to work for you. So. You didn't even use your foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I do love, there is something joyful about the bounce that gets away from someone. Because normally, yeah. normally when you're at a run and you decide to have a bounce, you've got, it's that moment where in football you go from, I'm killing this. Because the bounce is essentially the I'm killing this move, right? Yeah. If you're it's the in fast a break. It's the yeah. equivalent of a fast break. Yeah. I'm out on my own and I think that I'm going to be out on my own for so long that I'm going to need to bounce it so I can keep running out here on my own and that it just bounces off in the other direction. You really do, do go from hero to zero in a second. Yeah. And let's just say that even in the AFL men's competition, oh. players fuck it up all the time as well. Especially it's an oval if ball. If they're, if they're, especially if it's a ruckman. That the fun. If, if you want to, if you want comedy, watch a right. ruckman get some space and try and run and have a bounce. Do you remember that footage of <laughs> Justin Madden from years ago? 
and it was like a baby giraffe, like streaming into goal. Just that like, nothing was coordinated. Well, there's just so much that can go wrong for the Ruckman. I mean, you're throwing yeah. the ball from such a great height that it just, <laughs> like, I mean, there's so much degree of difficulty in that. Even if Stephen Hawking was your mechanics coach, I'm not sure that I would attempt a Ruckman bouncing it on the run, but. <laughs> Like, because, I mean, you're bouncing it on dirt as well. That's what Erin Phillips said at the basketballer. She said one of the hardest things to adjust to was just running on grass, like on an uneven grass, rather than running up and down a basketball court. Like, they're really different yeah. things. Yeah. And also, I guess, too, like, um, just the the 360... De- well, for basketball, I guess it is 360 degrees, but the fact that you can get hit from... I saw there's a few blindside tackles that I've seen so far, because... These women have come from codes or games where you don't have to have eyes in the back of your head. But, you know, you can get run down real quick. Well, that's why we need to encourage more mothers to play. Because that's, that's an ability <laughs> you develop once you're a mother, is you have yeah. eyes in the back of your head. So, <laughs> Well, it's actually, you know how, like, when you'll often see players at a milestone game, they'll jog out through the banner holding a baby. Maybe... In the women's league, we can actually see a woman like giving birth as she jumps through the banner. I mean, that'd be really great. Oh, yeah, because then you could have that conversation they always have, like with the men, is like, you know, if the baby comes on the day of the grand final, would you go to the grand final, or would you go mm. to see the baby be born? You're like, well, I'm playing in the grand final. Yeah, I'm going to have my baby at halftime, <laughs> win the Norm Smith, and then give it to my baby. How about that, <laughs> Luke Beveridge style? <laughs> Um, do you believe, do you have a, a problem one way or the other or a thought one way or the other on, cause I've been interested to see, um, there's a good mix of female coaches and male coaches in mm. the, in the women's AFL. Do you have an issue one way or the other? Do you think the women's AFL should have women's coaches or it doesn't really matter or like whoever's best qualified, you know, no, is the, I was, the person? I was thinking that last night cause the two games I saw last week, uh, one of the games was predominantly female commentators, yep. or at least it was a male and female co-commentating with female special comments. And then the highlights I watched today was mainly males. And I didn't notice a difference, to be honest. Like, I didn't actually... And I think that that's kind of... In those sort of support roles, I don't really mind. Like, I, I don't think... Um, my sister's boyfriend, I remember, when he was playing amateurs... The team he played in had a female coach, and that was like you know considered you know remarkable, or whatever. But they won the premiership that year, and then St Kilda um, uh, have uh, their development coach is female as well. And so I don't actually think in those support roles it really matters because it's just uh, it's essentially about like um, sharing knowledge, right? Right. And, and I mean, look, the, I think Adelaide have a female coach and, you know, as I, uh, yeah, as I said, they've been playing well, beautifully. Well, I guess it's kind of like if you have a coach who's never played at the highest level or a commentator who's never played, you know, are their opinions valid? And I think what we've worked out is yes, but that is completely fine. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess in this competition more than anything, because no one's ever played at this level as well, you do have an opportunity as a clean slate. To sort of say, well, everybody is going into this. This is round one for everybody. Danny McGinley did a very funny banner for this. Uh, the, I, I can't remember who the, the Bulldogs girl, apologies. I, I, it'll take us a few weeks to get across everybody's names. We're not even across all the male players' names. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, I think the Bulldog, a Bulldogs girl won the rising star. And, and the banner was something along the lines of congratulations to Bulldogs player, rising star. And now today, equal AFL women's games record holder. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested to see how the team, the, the female Bulldogs team would adapt the club song. So it's girls of the West, is it? Well, girls is- of the West. Cause daughters is too many syllables. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, it should be daughters because it's sons of the West. You'd think it'd be daughters of the West, but daughters I mean, of the West. I mean, girls—is it women girls of the West? Women no, of the West? I think, I think girls is fine. You have? Do you think that girls is is to, is demeaning? I think girls is fine. Well, here's the thing. Like, I I, I have read other people other people's commentary. And by the way, if you want um a brilliant podcast by women that it also talks about the women's AFL and in like a, a probably with a completely different perspective or definitely with a completely different perspective than we do. Um, I mm. would highly recommend the outer sanctum podcast, which we've talked about before, which is 
absolutely a fantastic podcast through the entire AFL season. But obviously with the Women's League coming in and that being an entirely uh, female podcast, they have taken an extra interest and have interviewed a whole bunch of people from around the game and talk much more intelligently than we would ever do on, on these topics. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Mike Hallers just let us know that the opening line was originally altered to Team of the West, but okay. now it has been changed to Daughters of the West. Yeah. I think it's just... Uh, I mean, Mike Hal, you're a, you're a producer. It's a syncopation issue, right? Right. You just got to get that daughters of the West out to fit, yeah. the, to fit the time. of the West. You just go with yeah. daughters. <laughs> daughters of the West. Daughters. It, it's probably one of those things because you know the clubs always have a little bit of jazz that they've added to the pro, yeah, to yeah. the song, so they've got some countdown or so, whatever. So they. Yeah, so it'd be one of those. I love that we're talking about the female dogs and your female dog starts barking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, both of my female dogs are now down at my at my feet. They're like, oh, we want to get involved. We're the daughters of the eastern suburbs, Will. <laughs> no, they are bulldogs through and through. They are literally bulldogs <laughs> through and through. They are female bulldogs. I've got a couple in my house. Don't tell me I'm not supporting the AFL women's. Have been for years. <laughs> Do you think, um, as the as the competition develops, that because uh, you know, understandably, they're you know they're wearing almost identical kits, you know, the same ground stuff. That maybe there'll be a move away from that. Because I would like to sort of see some separation as well, like you know, same color scheme and everything. But it would be good to see like you know an alternate strip for the women's. Yeah, I think so. I, I maybe think something did... maybe something in pink with some you know uh, sparkles and stuff. You know, just to show that they're women. I. I think you've made the point I was going to make much funnier and better than I was going to make it, uh, which is that I think they've done a really good job with the uniforms. Like, you know, like they haven't at any stage tried to make them look like women. Like as in yeah, like the, specifically they like in women. Pleat, they weren't in pleated skirts and stuff. They are a women's version of the same style of uniform that the men wear. And I think that was, I was really impressed actually when I looked at them all. I was like, yeah, they just look like AFL players. You look like yeah. you've designed a uniform that works for them to play this game in, which is great. Yeah. But it'd be good. I think it would be, uh, you know, I could foresee a time in which it sort of becomes its own sort of thing, you know, like it's its own brand, like just a, an offshoot. And so um, I, I think in this initial point, you want to get the fans of those particular clubs in and fans of AFL, but then... You know, my hope would be that they sort of start to start, they create, they start creating their own histories and their own culture and stuff. Although, I bet this is what's going to, I mean, look, you know, this podcast has, has predicted a lot of things. I hope this isn't one of them. If the Saints do get a female team, they end up winning a flag before the male team does. I'll be happy, but I may also jump off a bridge. <laughs> it's like, interesting, isn't it? It's like, there was that, I, I was very excited because the Bulldogs looked pretty good first round. They didn't look as good yeah. against Adelaide. Adelaide looked really good. Um, but I think the Bulldogs will probably be thereabouts, you know. Um, and I would love to see them win. I think that would be fantastic. But you're right. At the moment, for me, it's not going to be my number one you know, passion. The men's team, because I've followed them for all these years, are still going to be number one. But I, I don't think that... I would have, I mean, I guess it's easy for me to say now. I live in a world where I never have to consider things like that anymore, Charlie. I saw my men's team win. Now the women's yeah. can, team, can win as much as they want. I don't mind. Our little t league team can win as much as they want. That'd be great. I don't have to have that hanging well, over me. There's one thing that uh, I have learned from this women's competition and that it doesn't matter if it's male or female. It is always good to see Collingwood lose. Yeah. <laughs> Really, it was great, and it's especially great last two, last night, or was it two nights ago for you guys, where they were actually up at halftime and they really had a strut about them, and the commentators were pumping them up like they always pump up Collingwood, and then they got overrun in the second half. It was like, oh wow, I had no idea that this would make me happy, no matter who was playing the game. <laughs> Just have the losing team in black and white. Well, I think that's like what to get equality as well. Like, I mean, rather than. And by the way, I don't think that there is much of a level of patronization or, you know, good on you guys for having a go or whatever. But if you want to get to true equality, it's when we start hating women of other teams. 
Like when you're just like, <laughs> fuck it. You know, like I hate that fucking woman. Like if we can get yeah. to a position where it's so equal that you can be talking publicly about a woman that you hate because she just plays for a team that you hate in the way that you were talking about it with the men, that's when we'll know that it is true <laughs> that, equality. It's true equality. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we should, uh, I don't think we have time to go into too much else today. So maybe we just can keep this like Save a, it for another episode. Yeah. We can yeah. just keep this, uh, our chat about the, the start of the women's league. Um, is there anything else from it that you wanted to mention or anything no, else? That, like, no, you know, no, I think, I think we pretty much covered, covered off everything. Like you said, you know, we're, we're still kind of, um, not as familiar with the players. So apologies if some of the players we've mentioned today, we've got it wrong or, or, um, or we haven't known the names, but, um, you know, we're learning along with everyone else. Yeah, and I think they're doing a pretty good job of that. You know, like, mm. you know, kind of... Um, the one thing I have noticed a bit, though, is in the commentary, th- they go with a lot of first names, and I'm not sure I'm into it. Yeah, right. You know, like, t- just tell me their last name for a while until I get used to the, the fact that they have two names. Because in the men's, you, you rarely hear that, I reckon. Actually, that that's one thing I did really like about the commentary and the fact that they would get, say, like Emma Carney in to commentate the next day after playing the yeah. night before, is those women had a really good knowledge of the history of each of the players. Like, they would give you sort of like a bit of a, a rundown of each person who had the ball, where that person had come from, the kind of position, you know, they played, you know, their junior level career, all that kind of stuff. Or if they'd come from another competition, what they'd done. And so I did like the way they weaved all that stuff in. It was kind of like, if they were screenwriters, it was perfect perfect exposition. It didn't interrupt the flow of the story. It just was woven into the narrative seamlessly. No, I, I agree. And, and that gives you, I think, a great insight into who they are and where they've come from and all those sort of things. I mean, it makes me miss that from the men's. Like, you know, when you know yeah. that somebody, you know, grew up on a farm and, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> or is a teacher by day or whatever, you know, like... To me, that makes it more exciting. I'd love if the yeah. men had to get jobs again. And then yeah. you could go, you know, like you got Buddy Franklin, who of course works well, as a plumber was, three days a week. There was that, there's that Demons player who, uh, again, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, um, who comes from a dairy farm where they, they kept saying it. Every time I've seen her play, they're like, she milks 150 cows every morning before she, before she even pulls on a boot. Was that Daisy like, Pierce? Because Daisy Pierce is amazing, and she's a farmer. I think she came from a farm. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a tall. She's a tall forward for the Demons. Right. Um, I can't remember what town, like, Caratha or something like that. I think she's from. But like at least three or four times, they reminded us that she milks cows every morning before she even pulls a boot on. Well, yeah, in fact, one of those moments led to something. You know, when you mishear something and you wonder if you're the only, like, if you just heard it wrong or <laughs> the commentator said something that sounded Shelley, like oh, something sorry, Mike else. Oh, saying it's uh, Shelley Scott. Dairy oh, farmer Shelley Scott has milked 130 cows by the time most of her Melbourne teammates tumble out of bed. Sorry, 150. There I am with my alternate facts. Uh, it up. I've got to be honest with you, Shelley Scott. My family's milking 350 cows in the morning, mate. 130 doesn't seem like that much. Whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that individually, though, she does that no, on her own. She's not, right? Yeah, she's not milking them by hand, mate. She'd have a dairy. She loads them oh, onto yeah. a computerized yeah, machine. Sorry. And he I does compl- most of the milking. <laughs> I was in thinking your mind, she was- she's oh. there with a bucket. Pigtails on a bucket. Every morning. I was, I was thinking she was Amish, just sitting on a little wooden stool, <laughs> hand milking 130 cows. That's why her hands are so good. It's just from all that milking. <laughs> it's got really soft hands because she spills a bit of milk on them and it's really good. Um, uh, so I think, again, it might be Emma Carney, uh, my obsession, obviously, uh, from the early rounds. But the commentator said, and other people heard this as well, um, So because I went online to check if it was just me who'd heard it. He said that she worked on a sheep farm. But the way that he said it, it sounded like he said, and she works on a ship farm. And I was like, hang on, a ship farm? She literally has a sh- I didn't even know there was a ship farm. Or is it just like a shit farm? Like it's not a very good farm. <laughs> He's just a really harsh commentator. She's milking the dogs every farm. morning. Yeah, I mean, the cows haven't been milked since July. <laughs> All right, so we uh, wrap it up then? Yeah, so um, look, we'll be back with a few intermittent episodes before the season starts. We'll try to get, you know, a kind of season preview and, and, in, and an update on what's going on in the women's and a whole bunch of other things. Talk about some of the issues over preseason because there's been heaps uh, that yeah. we haven't really got to talk about, but we'll, um, we'll talk about them next time. 
To be honest, I have to get up to speed. I haven't, I haven't looked at AFL.com in quite some time. So I really, I know there's been some new captains announced and, uh, you know, you, well, you've, more... you've got a, you've got a new captain. Yeah. Jaron Geary, who I believe last year I said was probably like my least uh, favorite candidate to be captain. Well, right. you know, just <laughs> like you were saying, you'd never want Travis Cloak at the Bulldogs sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't always get what you want. Uh, I was going to say, it, 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 it was interesting. Like, I guess, because uh, I, I did this week, I did just watch a couple of things on the Saints website where, you know, Alan Richardson did a press conference and stuff, and they did talk about why he was made captain. And it, clearly, there are a bunch of things they value at the club that you don't know about him, because he isn't really the most high-profile player. But that's, you know, the, the values that they want instilled in that club or the kind of the kind of club they want to be, they think he uh, uh, he embodies that, which I yeah. 100% agree. He's a guy who came off the rookie list. He was never our star player, but in the last three or four years, he's you know, finished in the top 10 of the best and fairest. I think he finished just outside the top three or even in the top three this year. He's easily our best small defender. He's one of those... Will, in the mould of a young Charlie Clawson, he's what you call... A, he's like a big-hearted trier. You know, right. maybe not best with a lot of natural ability, but he never, never give up. And last year, I do remember in the Geelong game, they mic'd him up. And um, Jesus Christ, he can talk. Like, he's really, he's out there directing traffic and stuff. Uh, well, here's the thing. I think they are the spirits and the, and the uh, things that the Saints want to embody, which is not be that good, try really hard, <laughs> finish outside the top three. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I say play on, not 15. Uh, ball. We are two guys, one.